Why did we let them have their own episode? It's just a bonus episode, not even an hour. And besides, we do the highbrow analysis. There is no need for us to wax poetic about thirst traps. But what do they even add? Have they given us any useful information about the culture? I don't know. Maybe they add some lightness before we bring everything down. They talked about aunties one time. Ugh, I guess. Okay, let's do a quick talk about the name origins for our Indian characters. Okay, I'll start. Devi is the Sanskrit word for goddess. The masculine form is Deva. Both Devi and Deva mean heavenly, divine, anything of excellence, and are also gender-specific terms for Hindu deities. Ben Gross's calling her David is very annoying because of this. Uh, you got that right. Baby's mom's name, Nalini, is a unisex given name meaning lotus or lily in Sanskrit. That doesn't sound unisex to me. I don't know any Uncle Nalini's. Davy's cousin Kamla was given a girl's name of Hindi origin, meaning lotus or pale, red, or garden. It can also be another name for the Hindu goddess Lakshmi. Davy's deceased father Mohan has a Hindi male name from the Sanskrit Mohana for fascinating, infatuating, or an epithet of the god Krishna. In Tamil naming, it takes on charming, beauteous, if that's even a word, attractive, Lord Murugan, and Lord Krishna. Our favorite Periyappa Arvin has a common Indian male name meaning sun. Its other meanings include red lotus and in Tamil, love avatar. For the record, <laughs> Hindi is the number one most spoken language with 44% of the population speaking it as a first language. And Tamil is the fifth most prevalent language in India with 5.7% of the population speaking it as a first language. Our arranged friend Prashant has a common male name derived from the word shant, which means patience, calm, quiet, tranquil, composed, placid. It signifies a peaceful nature and serenity of demeanor. Last but not least, Harish from the Ganesh Puja episode. His name generally means Lord Shiva. And if you're keeping track, that's known as the god of destruction in the Hindu trinity. Oh, I figured it out. Why we have them on. That was boring as hell. You think? Yeah. Crap. Well, at least we were spared them dimple making a Mohana and Moana joke. <laughs> yeah. And now let's join Bree and Dimple for a special look at Davy's first and second kiss. Welcome to Late Bloomers, the web series, the podcast. I'm Bree and she's Dimple. And today we're going to talk about the kisses in Netflix's Never Have I Ever. They brought out the big guns to talk about an important topic. Davy's first and second kiss. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I have a little game for us to play. It's called Mount, Mary, or Mame. Wait, isn't it Fuck, Mary Kill? Yeah, it's like that, but I changed it due to karma. Oh, okay. Well, who are our choices? Steve, Prashant, and Paxton. I just want to say thank you, Mindy, for making 75% of the love interests on this show of Asian descent. Yeah, Insecure isn't the only show with Asian bays. Well, I think I would like to mount Steve because we know he's dexterous. He was climbing the trees and the roof, and he also knows the roof, quote, by touch, unquote. So I think Steve is <laughs> worthy of mounting. I would marry Prashant because he seems intuitive and very open-minded. So maybe, you know, toys, swings, things, and maim is definitely Paxton, but like 
maim him in a sex accident. I'm bending the rules, I see a little bit. I decided that Paxton was going to be my mount because Davy was right. He is hot and he has a G. That That's like 10 more hot points. <laughs> I also chose to marry Prashant because he's hot and he seems like he has his shit together. Like he probably has a checking account and he knows the balance in it most of the time. <laughs> And finally, my main is Steve, because he just seems like a man-child with attachment issues. Now, I'm good. I think that's what makes him a great mount, but we're not here to talk about Steve or Prashant. Paxton, yes. Now, before we get going into this episode, we should talk about how these characters are described. And we are going to source this description from BuzzFeed. They had a quiz for you to determine which Never Have I Ever character you are. And these are the descriptions that come with the result for if you got Davy, You're smart, sassy, and the glue of your friend group. You have a dynamic personality and love getting to know people. You want to be the best at everything and sometimes bite off more than you can chew. You also keep your emotions bottled up and can be quick to anger if things don't go your way. But at the end of the day, you have the best intentions. Now, if you took this quiz and you got Paxton... Here's what it says about you. You are a fun, popular person who's always down for a good time. People are attracted to your energy and big personality. Sometimes your laid back attitude makes it hard for people to take you seriously, but you shouldn't be underestimated. You're protective of those you care about and you have a huge heart. Aww. And Ben means you are extremely competitive and love being right, even when you're wrong. Sometimes you care a little too much about what other people think of you, and you have a very curated image of yourself. But when it counts, you're a great friend who looks out for those you care about. So that should tell you a little bit about the personalities that we'll be dealing with in this episode. Now, before we get into these juicy kisses, what do we know about these boys and how did we get here? Let's recap for you. And I call Paxton, so you can do Ben. Gee, thanks. <laughs> so what do we know about Paxton? Paxton has been baby's crush since at least eighth grade. She did say she has known all of his classes for at least two years, and now she's in the 10th grade, so uh, deductive reasoning. He is popular, not just in high school, but all over Southern California. He's a swimmer, and he identifies as such on his Instagram handle. He's mm, kind of dumb and a little bit tuned out. He failed out of AP history and he's repeating it. Paxton elicits moony eyes and open mouth stares from many people, including Baby, of course. He speaks Japanese, whose panties don't get wet over that. And he has a Korean fan tumbler. This is one of three fan tumblers that are created just for Paxton Hall Yoshida. You know who doesn't have any fan tumblers? Brie? Ben. You know why? <laughs> Ben's a square. Let's get to know Ben, I guess. Ben has been Davy's rival since the fourth grade, longer than she's liked Paxton. Thank you very much. He is popular among teachers. Otherwise, he's kind of a loner. He is smart, but he's also very narc-like. He and Davy have a very waspish back and forth together, kind of like those old rom-coms. But like, who wants to see that now? He has a very annoying haircut and his Clothes are always matchy-matchy. Ugh. He speaks Mandarin, and he only learned Mandarin so he can upset Davy. 
he has a girlfriend. Surprise, surprise. Even though he has a girlfriend, he tried to kiss her at a party. That's what we know about Ben. But okay, let's talk about how they interact with Davy. Why don't we start with Mr. Perfect Paxton, Bree? We have less interactions with him. Davy propositions Paxton in episode one. And you know what? He actually accepts. In episode two, she rides over to his house and she touches his chest in his garage, which he has to shave for swimming, so it may chafe her. And she freaked out and she disappeared, but then she came back and she used his bathroom and met his little sister and then got yelled at on his front porch. Later in that same episode, she was apologized to by Paxton and he got to meet her mother. Then they worked on a school project together. And by worked on, I mean she did all the work. And she was bit by a coyote and he took her to the hospital but when they were there, he friend-zoned her really hard. But it turned out that he liked her thirst trap video, and he followed her on Instagram. The next day, he puts his arm around her during their history class bunker presentation, and then later he invites her to sit at the cool table at lunch. He did tell her that she looked cool in her half-sari in the Ganesh Puja episode, but he later catches her in a lie and kind of drops her for a bit, but then asks her for a favor involving a photo shoot for his sister via emotional blackmail. What about the interactions with Ben? Ugh, there are plentiful, unfortunately. In episode one, he and Davy have that signature back and forth established when he's telling her about her AIDS blood and she's dissing him about his fat dad. Their rivalry is so strong that Mr. Shapiro, the AP history teacher, tells them to tone it down for the quote-unquote benefit of the class. Hashtag don't dim my light. Later in that episode, we find out that Ben was the jerk who named their friend group the Unfuckable Nerds. Hmm. And they get detention together on the first day of school. It feels like the writers were signaling to us that these two are the OTP. You do know what OTP means, don't you, Bree? Um, the Paxton? <laughs> no, it means the one true pair. Oh, Ugh. yeah, yeah, I, I knew that. In episode two, Davy wishes the Nazis had killed him. And when they go to the principal's office, Davy has a meltdown in front of him, her first act of vulnerability. And he responds with not wanting her to get in trouble. Later in that same episode, he gives her some dating advice about dating up when she's bragging about going to get her cherry popped and he also threw in a very nice dig about her mustache and facial hair which is still not appreciated but it's always a sick burn in episode three there were no interactions he actually interacted with her friends and this is when he found out that she's been boning paxton calls davy the un's commander and dork and he even remembered that she wore a couple's costume with the librarian last halloween and you know what we call that in my circles brie we call that jealousy in episode five, there is a detente between these two as they participate in Model UN. What happens in this episode? They're in a caper. They form an alliance. They get in a fight. They're king and queen of the nerds for a night. Ugh. The hot tea we get from this is that conversation in the party when we see that Ben is actually jealous of Paxton and the attention Davy gives him. Dun, dun, blah. In episode six, we're having dinner at Davy's house because remember, Ben fell apart because he's not mentally strong because why he's a basic. Mm -hmm. So he's brought over to her house. They have a nice conversation in which they were cleaning up and he again gets to see her vulnerable while he's being vulnerable because she confesses to him that no, she ain't really sleeping with Mr. Cheekbones. 
we don't see Ben again until episode eight when it's his birthday and there's a party and he invites Davy. And because he gets jealous that she invites Paxton, he invites the whole mother truck in school. And at this birthday party, she's the only person to bring him a present. And he, quote unquote, drunkenly tried to kiss her. Hashtag this ain't me too. In episode 10. We find out that Davy has moved in with this fool after she ran away from home, making him her safe haven, I guess. They take their meals together. He stages an intervention for her so she doesn't make decisions she will regret. And then he drives her to the beach. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. Are you done? Oh, ha 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 ha. It's not my fault that these two are being forced down our throats. Yeah, oh no, no, it's not you. It's Ben. So now it's time for the kiss. Ooh la la. As far as Paxton Hall Yoshida and what led up to the kiss, Paxton rescues Davy from the swimming pool at Ben's party. He gives her a change of clothes and he drives her home so she could make perfume. That sounds way more exciting than what led up to Ben and Davy's kiss. They were living together for 10 days since she kissed Paxton. He staged an intervention with her BFFs and Gears Brosnan for some reason to get her to go scatter her father's ashes, then drives her to the beach. Knight in shining armor much? The Porsche logo is literally a prancing horse. Where was this kiss? The kiss with Paxton happened in his Jeep right in front of her house, just as the clock struck 11 p.m. 12 Eastern. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess it was midnight somewhere. Yeah. Davy's kiss with Ben also took place in a car, which Davy stopped kissing boys in cars, on the Malibu beach after 5 p.m. in the afternoon. What did Davy say prior to the kiss happening? What was the vibe? In Paxton's car, Davy was being vulnerable about everyone in her life being done with. The vibe in Ben's dad's car is he just woke up and wiped drool off his face. So the vibe is gross. She asked him why he was still there. And he was like, well, I wanted to make sure you were okay. <laughs> and for some reason, Davy loves that. That was her shit. His grossness and her shock. Was there a song playing for Paxton's Kiss? Oh, yeah. It was the Cannons, Fire For You, which has amazing lyrics. Like, I was on fire for you. Where did you go? I could have died for you. How could you not know? What about in Ben's car? The song kind of applies, but it only applies if you are on the ship that these are the OTP. The song is Kids at Midnight, Boys Like You. All my life I've been hiding myself, just waiting for a boy like you. Running home from the bus stop, she gets driven by Kamla or Nalini, crying <laughs> over stupid words from boys like you. She literally did cry in Principal Grubbs' office, but not because of that. Not because of Ben. Not answering the questions in math. Davy does not not answer math questions. She knew the definition of tangent. Because I answered them before boys like you. Promise myself when I'm older and brave, I will never love a boy like you. Yes, Davy. Promise yourself when you're older and braver that you will never love a boy like Ben. But side note, the song actually slapped. Can you describe the kiss with Mr. Cheekbones, please? Yeah. So the music has stopped. We're sitting silently in the car. She says what she says and then freaks out. It's like, oh my God. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I'm super awkward. Uh. Paxton initiates this. He just grabs half of her face with his hand and pulls her in. 
and he gives her this deep kiss as if he's drinking her in. And when they part, we see him swallow and their faces remain really close just for a minute, breathing kind of shallow. And he rubs his thumb across her chin. Meanwhile, baby's eyes were about to pop out of her damn head. And when he lets go and he sits back in his seat, he does kind of smile. And it's kind of like a shy smile, like, oh, is it okay I did that? Or now what happens? Or, oh, crap. What about Ben? Ugh. Okay. Objectively speaking, this kiss was definitely longer than Paxton's little chaste but very passionate smooch. This was all tongue. This was all grappling and all tongue. Davy initiates the first kiss. They both pull back. They look at each other. And it's almost as if, you know, that little thing we call consent happened. (laughs) Sorry, I was just like, oh, my God, I just made Paxton into a gross creep. Davy initiates the kiss. They pull back. They look at each other. They're like, are we going to do this? They give each other consent. Ben gives a half smile, kind of like deciding, yeah, this is the moment. And then literally dives in headfirst as if he's a South Korean oyster diver. Both his hands grab Davy, one on her face and another, I guess, some other part of her body. And they both actually move towards each other. There is so much tongue. So much tongue that you forget that there's only two tongues in this scene. Her hand navigates down to his chest, which is a move she and Paxton have been doing in her dream and all season. This is a full-on makeout session. When they pan out, the waves on the beach in Bollywood movies means that they were knocking boots. I don't think that was going on, but Brie... What was Davy's reaction to Paxton's kiss? Oh, clearly flummoxed. She thanks him for the kiss twice. And I think that's where we see that little shy smile from him. She just can't help but be awkward as hell. But like you mentioned about consent, I think she gave her consent in episode one and just never revoked it. Standing consent. Well, I also have that for Dave Patel. Give me a call, sir. On the other hand, we don't know if Davy and Ben has come up for air yet because the episode literally ends with them tasting each other's mouth do you think the interactions up to this point we already reviewed them were they commensurate with the hotness of the kiss you think i don't know this one with paxton was just so brief like there was no tongue all of the tongue was saved for ben well paxton's a dish you want to savor you can't just lick all over it as if it's made of empty empty calories i think that ben's presence is outsized in davy's life and I think that while they may be good for each other in high school, this little daily interaction and rivalry since fourth grade has been done. Rivals who then like each other. Can we try something a little more 21st century? Like a co-equal partnership? Can we get woke with it? Snap, 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 snap. Okay, Brie, let's talk about the positives and problematics of these kisses. And then let's rate them on a thirst scale of one to five. One being you're kissing a relative at a family function. And five being you are going to have this person's children. All right. So with Paxton, I thought the positive was that it finally quenched that thirst for us and that Davy has been waiting for this since episode one. And this is what, episode eight And we finally arrived here. I would like to build on that and say that I liked it because Paxton initiated it. Davy has been hoping and wishing and we saw in her dream in episode two that she wanted him to come into her room and take her, so to speak. And this was 
kind of that, but like in the microcosmist of microcosms, what was problematic? That it kind of, to me, felt like he swooped in when he saw that her self-esteem was low and needed a boost and that he thought his lips would be the thing to provide that for her. Ooh, I love the shade there, Brie. I think the moment in which this happens, she's feeling both horny and hurt and abandoned. And it kind of is like Captain Savaho, which many people may know as the damsel in distress. And he kisses her when she's not at her most vulnerable, but at her most pathetic. Yeah. But as far as the thirst scale rating, I'm going to give this kiss a four. The reason it has any amount of points taken off is because this was a chaste little kiss of lips only. I would have died for some time. <laughs> I give this one a 4.5 because even though the kiss was chaste, Brie, you got to pay attention to the after effects. He swallowed and breathed her in while looking at her face. And it was a shallow breath. That was the kiss of a grown ass man. That was a reaction of a grown ass man. I was really into it. Okay, moving on to children. What did you think were the positives of the kiss with Ben? I like that Ben previously realized his feelings for Davy when he tried to kiss her at that party. But he didn't push her and she kissed him first. I like that on his part because that shows he wasn't pushy or gross about it. I, I like it kind of for the same reason, but on Baby's part, that it took her a while, but she sees that he cares about her genuinely and she initiated this kiss. And I, I really liked that part of it. As far as what's problematic, though, uh, what about this girl, Shira, his girlfriend? There's this magnificent golden sunset happening in the background. And you know what? If this was a Bollywood movies, they're having a baby. The waves were lapping, lapping, lapping the shore. Like the trust bird was flapping, flapping, flapping. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I also found the lack of consideration for Shira's existence very problematic, but also she literally kissed the knight in shining armor. Bray, I'm sure you're aware that the logo of the Porsche is a prancing horse. So he's a knight. That's his steed. And oh my God. Hmm. So as far as the thirst scale, this is going to be lower for me. This one comes out as a three. Like this is cute to me. I just don't find it that hot. It's like that part, you know, in a rom-com where it finally happens and you're like, oh, that's it. This was a three because I honestly am not excited about this pairing. All right, get out your rider weight deck. It's time to make our predictions for the future. Ooh. What will be the fate of Davy and Paxton in the future? I think that she's going to end up with Paxton. And I think that because A, she is shallow, and B, Ben is with Shira. But I also think that Davy and Ben will still be into each other and they may even cheat on their significant others with each other. And like, I thought this all out. See, Paxton is going to be especially devastated because he will have become vulnerable with Davy and she will have whipped him into shape where he can go to actual college and not fail out there. But Shira's not going to miss a beat. She never has. That's very likely. Am I the only one who's thinking that this pairing is going to be difficult? 
Paxton is like Jess from Gilmore Girls, totally rough around the edges. And Davy is like Rory, the perfectionist goody two-shoes. Davy is going to act as Paxton's mirror, just like Rory acted as Jess's mirror on his journey of self-discovery. And he's going to come out of this a better version than himself. I agree with you there, Brie. And I think that she will actually be his first love, which means she's going to hurt him badly. So in a way, they're both going to be saving each other. But you know why this is never going to work? This is never going to work because Nalini does not like him. Oh, yeah. Okay. As far as Davy and Ben, I know I discussed them at length already, but Davy and Ben are going to have to wait a little bit. Paxton will leave on his swimming scholarship, and then Davy and Ben can be together senior year. And then we know they're both going to go to Ivy League schools. You know, in the end, Mindy is not going to miss an opportunity to pair an Indian girl with a nerdy Jewish guy. Yeah, that's like a trope of hers. I think that Ben and Davy are equals. Much like Danny Castellano and Mindy Lahiri were. And they are the end game to the whole thing, which is unfortunate because it's boring. So they're going to have to face some obstacles, like he's going to have to watch her with Paxton, and they're going to have to have some tense overnight model UN trips junior and senior year. But what, by the time they graduate, He's going to make his mind up and he's going to make some big gesture and announce he's going to go to Princeton with her, where they become Paris and Doyle on Gilmore Girls, perhaps the most boring couple in the whole thing. Please note, though, that this one may work because Nalini likes him enough to bring him home to dinner and we know how she feels about narcs. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time for a final look at season one and the themes and calling cards of Mindy Kaling. Late Bloomers, the web series, the podcast was produced and edited by Rashi Raj and Pooja Maharaj. Until next time. Register to vote. Bye. Bye. (laughs)